Second Chronicles, chapter 29, verse 7. They have also shut up the doors of the vestibule, put out the lamps, and have not burned incense or offered burnt offerings in the holy place to the God of Israel. Therefore the wrath of the Lord fell upon Judah and Jerusalem, and he has given them up to trouble, to desolation, and to jeering, as you see with your eyes. For indeed, because of this, our fathers have fallen by the sword, and our sons and daughters and our wives are in captivity. We saw, um, I believe yesterday, how um, generational curse comes um, in families when people go against God, people neglect the house of God, people neglect the bodies, which is the temple of God, and how when they go against the Lord, how the wrath of God is kindled. And we also saw how God is so patient, he's slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. And uh, when God gets angry, it is... uh, justified anger because he waited for such a long time the cup gets full and when the cup of wrath gets full he gives that cup to the enemy whoever deposited that wrath god's wrath in his cup he gets to drink it so for example if a person is doing iniquity there's a cup god waits for a long time he warns he sends people he speaks to them in different ways but they don't listen and the cup keeps getting full and full and full suddenly what happens is that cup gets full guess who has to drink that cup the person who actually was responsible for that cup to be filled because that's his cup the wrath of god becomes full and once it gets full then whatever was supposed to be executed gets executed. So it's very important for us not to be in that place. And when you see someone repeatedly doing the same thing, thinking that, well, God doesn't see, he doesn't um, do anything, and it's taking this long, they have no clue of what happens. You reap what you sow. It's just a matter of time. No one sows and next day sees fruit coming all over no nevertheless when you sow it begins to grow as it grows you don't see the fruit but there comes a time when the fruit will come and who will have to eat that the one who sows it so it's very important for us to be very careful of our choices what we sow because that's what we will reap and that's what we will have to eat so the fathers and the forefathers here they sowed iniquity, they reaped iniquity, and which, which was documented here through the Spirit of God. They all fell by the sword, not only the fathers, their daughters, their sons, their family. So we also see that our choices not only affect us, it affects our entire family. This is just one section. There are several scriptures in the Bible that shows that what we do will not only affect us, that no one is an isolated being or an island. It affects 
the entire family. The unbelief of the unbelief and the rebellion of the children of Israel after God gave so much. They spoke evil of the manna that God gave. It was angels' food. They spoke evil of the manna that God gave. They were so evil in their hearts in spite of God bringing them out of the bondage where they were crying out to God. God brought them out with a strong and mighty arm and sent a servant to bring them out in spite of all of that. After seeing the miracle by the Red Sea parting, they had no fear of God, no gratitude towards God. It's like whatever they had was temporary, temporary praise, temporary high. We as God's people should never have temporary praise, temporary spiritual high. We should never be like the children of Israel. What God does for us today should be able to carry us till the day we die. We should never forget, bless the Lord of my soul and forget not all his benefits. Many, many times, many believers praise and joy. They're very short-lived, temporary. Or they are very excited when they get something. And next moment when they go through a difficult time, immediately complain and complain and look at the negative things and complain and complain become just like the children of Israel Israel in their heart where is the gratitude where is the praise that was there before what happened to it gone everything is gone all of a sudden grumbling and complaining why because it was so short lived see thankfulness and praise must come from the bottom of our hearts you know, the soda bottle, when you open, you know, when you have soda, you know, the air in there, it comes gushing out and you shake it. Praise has to be like that. Thankfulness from the bottom of our hearts, filled with the Holy Spirit, being in the presence of God, you will never lose that fervency. You will never lose that joy and that gratitude towards God to what God did for you even could have been 20 years ago yesterday you won't forget you'll be bubbling the joy of the Lord or even in the midst of a deep trial you'll be able to hold on to what God did before what he did for me before he would do it again and so I look to him. So I thank him in the midst of my trial. Not complain. That's the difference between Moses and the children of Israel. Joshua and Caleb and the children of Israel. That's the reason why the entire generation didn't make it. God is so faithful. He didn't wipe out everyone. All those who fell away, fell away by transgression, fell away by the choices that they made repeatedly when their cups got full. They drank it and they all died. Their children made it. And those who believed made it. Joshua and Caleb were the two people in that generation. So when you think about God's faithfulness to his word, he kept his word. He brought those who believed 
through. And those who even didn't believe, he gave so much time, so many chances, the cup got full. So we should never take the mercy of God for granted. Never think that, oh, well, I did that five years ago and I survived. I did that five months ago, I survived. I did that five weeks ago, I survived. We never know when that cup it will be full. Once the judgment comes, it's a horrible thing because it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And the cup is something to understand. is a cup of trembling. God's word says, when that cup gets full, only the one who is responsible for the cup to be filled, because every time you do evil, the cup gets full. When there's no repentance, the cup keeps getting full. Uh, you can't say that, well, I'm repenting, I repented five days ago, and I'm doing the same thing today, so I'm repenting again. Repentance is not simply confessing. Many times people think repentance is confession. No. Repentance is confessing and forsaking. The Bible says, who, the person who will come to God, who will receive forgiveness is, the person who confesses his sins and forsakes it will receive mercy. So when you understand, let me just pull out the scripture so you have it in front of you. Let me just give it to you. So you don't think that it's not in the Bible. As the Lord wants me to pull it out, I'm going to give you the scripture so you have it before you this is very foundational and so you need to know this in the day and age where we have error all over we need to know the word of god and it's good to read proverbs 28 verse 13 someone who has it in front of you can you read it proverbs 28 verse 13 proverbs 28 13 he that covers his sin shall not prosper but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. He who covers his sin will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. That's New King James. New American Standard Bible. One who conceals his wrongdoings will not prosper, but one who confesses and abandons them will find compassion. King James. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. New Living Translation. People who conceal their sins will not prosper, but if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. New International Version. Whoever concealed their sins does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. Now, we see in all these translations, no matter what the translation is, one thing is common here, which is the mere confession is not enough. Who will receive forgiveness from God? Who will receive mercy from God? The one who confesses his sins and abandons it. The one who confesses his sins and forsakes it. It is very important. It's not like just I go and confess and go and confess and go and confess. Confession without repentance means nothing to God. Because a person has to be determined in their heart that I'm not going to go the other way. There are only two ways, Jesus said, the broad way and the narrow way. The broad way leads to destruction and the narrow way leads to life. In order for us to be in the path of life, we have to abandon the path of destruction. 
without abandoning the path of destruction, we cannot be in the path of life. We cannot be in the path of life. So in order to be in the path of life, we need to stay in the path of life. In order to stay in the path of life, we have to quit the path of death. God's word very clearly speaks to us on repentance in several passages, but this is one of the key verses that we have to understand. Mere confession is not going to take a person to heaven. Mere confession is not going to get a person receive mercy from God. Confessing and forsaking equals repentance, and that is the true state of a of the person's heart who is coming to God, saying, "God." I really have remorse for what I have done. And I really don't want the old way. I really want you. I don't want to live like how I used to live because I know that that is death. Jesus said this. When a person is about to build a tower, he needs to sit down and he has to count the cost. If we want to follow Jesus Christ, we have to sit down and take a good look at our lives and see, where am I in my walk with God? What am I doing? What does the word say? And is my life reflecting the word of God? Or is it actually reflecting the works of the flesh, which is, the book of Satan, whatever he has, he has in his book, which is be angry, kill, steal, commit adultery, and hide your sins, and be jealous, and all those things. Those are all in Satan's book. And those are all his products, and those are manifestations of Satan, evil spirits. We have to understand where God says that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, goodness, and all those stuff, good stuff, nine, nine manifestation of the fruit of the Spirit. In a lot of times people say fruits of the Spirit. It's not fruits. It's fruit of the Spirit. In that fruit, you have those nine qualities, nature of God. And when we have that nature of God in that fruit, which is the manifestation of who you are on the inside through the Spirit of God. The manifestation has to be the nature of God, which is the fruit. So the apple tree, the fruit that you see, will be apple. When the Spirit of God lives inside of us, the nature of Christ will be seen outside, which is the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit has that love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, self-control. Similarly, the fruit of the evil spirit is the carnal nature. Works of the flesh. The Bible spells it out very clearly. What are the works of the flesh? That is the fruit of the evil spirit. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is nine. You see that? Nine attributes of one fruit. Every believer will have the same kind of fruit. Because it comes from the same Spirit of God. The nature of God. The fruit of the evil spirit, if you look at people who reflect Satan, the nature will be pretty much the same. 
because that's the fruit of the evil spirit. The works of the flesh is the fruit of the evil spirit. The works of the spirit of God is the fruit of the spirit. In order for that to happen, there has to be a thorough work, groundwork that needs to happen. When you have to build a house, you need to lay the foundation. You cannot lay the foundation on the old existing foundation that's there. What do they do? They dig everything out and then they lay something new. Jesus said this so beautifully. You cannot mix the old wine in the new wineskin. You can't do that. You can't take a beautiful dress and add an old cloth to it. And so that. It's not going to work like that. So when we come to God, abandoning the old way, the old system, the old way of thinking is important. And when you confess your sins and you tell the Lord, Lord, I'm leaving everything and I'm going to your side, the Spirit of God puts the seed of God into us where you have a new person on the inside, where God does a work of regeneration. The old person is gone. Everything that is old is gone. Where? Positionally gone. Practically should be gone too. And for the practical working out of the old nature to be out, every believer who believes in Jesus Christ must make the choice towards that. If I don't make the choice towards that, positionally you can have something, but practically you'll never inherit it. It's like someone can say, well, my grandfather left, you know, maybe a million dollars in the account. You're there positionally, oh, I'm very rich, but you know what? You can still live on the streets. You can still eat from a garbage can. You know why? Because you really did not make use of it. By making the choice to taking what you need to take, going to the store, buying what you need to, making use of the wealth that has been deposited on your name. You didn't do that. Jesus Christ on the cross, when he said finished, it's finished. It is finished. Spiritually, in the spiritual realm, it is finished. What he did for you on the cross, what he did for me on the cross, it's finished. It's done. Positionally, it's done. Practically, in order to bring that finished into our lives, we need to do what God has called us to do, which is walk in the spirit in, so that we cannot fulfill, so that we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. That means... I need to walk. In order for me to be able to walk in the Spirit, every single day I need to have the strength of God in order to walk. You can have legs, but if you don't have the legs, if you don't have the strength in your legs, you won't be able to walk. We need to know that we need the power of the Holy Spirit in order to walk in the Spirit. That's number one. Number two is, in order to walk in the Spirit, you need to have your will involved in order to walk in the Spirit. That's why God says, walk in the Spirit. I have to say, I'm going to walk. Nobody will pick me up and say, get up, you need to walk and drop me. And then I just sit over here and say, well, I don't feel like walking today. I need to have the will to walk. You need to have the strength to walk. And you need to use your will. That means 
as the word of God says, exercise yourself unto godliness. You need to do what you have to do. Pick up your Bible. Go on your knees before God. Even when you cannot or you don't feel like, that's when you need to. Because, you know, when you don't feel like doing something, you know what is happening. All hell is breaking loose against you, trying to keep you from doing the will of God. If somebody is suffocating you, right? If somebody is suffocating you and trying to kill you, what will you do? Will you give up? I hope not. Will you give up or will you put up a fight? I hope you'll put up a fight. When it comes to your soul, how many times people easily give up and say, well, I'm not able to pray. I don't know why. I think I have a block. I'm not able to pray. I'm not able to. We're not able to. When you're not able to know that the enemy of your soul is fighting hard, what is he trying to do at that point? He's trying to suffocate you spiritually. What will you do at that time? Just say, like, oh, that's it. Is that how much strength you have? You can't put up a fight. Use your mouth. Use your voice. Use your mind. Use every bit of strength that God has given to you and say, get out in Jesus' name. Open your mouth and speak. If you don't put up a fight, which you would when it comes to your body, and not put up a fight for your soul, your soul will die. God is speaking to our hearts today. Submit to God and resist the devil and he will flee from you. Is it scripture or not? Answer that. Is it God's word? Or is it some saying outside somewhere someone said it, which works for some people, doesn't work for some other people? If it is God's word, it is bound to work. It has to work. It has to work. It will work. If I'm not using it, then it is my problem, not God's problem. Always remember, God's word stands forever. When you don't feel like reading, know that you are at that point being suffocated or exposed to, say, spiritual carbon monoxide. You need to have your senses very sharp. Know where this is coming from. You know you're not feeling well spiritually? No. Some toxic air has entered into you. Something is happening here with Satan is trying to choke you. Put up a fight. Put up a fight. Imagine you don't put up a fight when the enemy is there, when somebody's trying to kill you. You don't put up a fight. You're just waiting. Well, let me wait for the ambulance to come. Well, let me wait for some next door neighbor to come. I can't do anything because, well, poor me, I can't do anything. It is very important. If you can exert physically, you should exert spiritually. Your will is very important there. Having that sorry mentality of feeling sorry for myself. Oh, poor me. I don't know why I'm getting attacked all the time. I'm the only getting attacked all the time. It's not going to help at all. Help anyone at all. Because remember God spoke to us yesterday. The first thing that the enemy will try to use is his words. He uses that in many people's mind. He'll come and say, well, poor you, what can you do? You're coming to me with, you know, sticks. Uh, where is the spirit of God that was inside David that should be inside of you too? Who are you facing? Are you facing God or are you facing the enemy? David faced the, faced the living God while he was going towards the enemy. He was facing the living God. Be need to face the living God 24-7. No matter who the enemy is, doesn't matter. We know our God. If we know who our God is, we know how big it is. No matter how big the enemy may appear, we know our God is bigger. 
being hidden in Christ Jesus is the best thing for every single believer in the Lord. So, when it comes to understanding how the enemy operates, we cannot just stand by and be a bystander when our soul is getting slaughtered. Be proactive when it comes to your soul. Be proactive when it comes to your prayer time. Be proactive when it comes to your walk with God, when it comes to your relationship with God. Be proactive when it comes to you going to the house of God. Be proactive when it comes to you being in the meetings. Be proactive. Just because you feel a certain way, are you going to give up or are you going to put up a fight? This church should be a church that fights all the time. When you know, you know, when I used to play basketball, when I was in school, high school, I used to play basketball. And I was, an, I, I was known to be an aggressive player. Yeah, I, was, I was an athlete. And in my mind, my team has to win. Yeah, I had God on my side. And when our team used to go for any inter-school um, competition, it was, you know, girls' competition. The opponents, when they see our team, they had fear. And if they know that I'm there because I can run, I can shoot, and also they knew that we would win. When the enemy knows that, that this team is a strong team. The enemy will try to come, but the enemy will have fear. The fear of the Lord should be upon us and around us, and the enemy should fear us, not the other way around. When I used to go for competition, because God was with me, and because I practiced because I would stay after school and I would be practicing by myself. I would go early and I would run. I would be careful with what I ate. These are things I did. By the grace of God, self-discipline, I was big on that. Earlier, early on in my life, in my life. And God uses all those things in the spiritual life as well. The reason why the Holy Spirit is bringing that today before us is when we go before the enemy as a team, the enemy knows, oh, this is a dangerous team. I can't win. So he has to try harder. The enemy knows, well, this is a key player there. It's a headache for us. Wish we can somehow knock that person up. It is very important for us to know who we are in Christ. I had that confidence when I used to go play because I knew God was with me. Because if God is with me, then I'm going to be number one there. A heathen is, you know, a group that does not believe in Jesus. A group that doesn't, you know, they're not having the value system that we have. They're not going to win. 
we have God on our side at the same time. Will I say that, well, I have God on my side, so I'm not going to run. I'll eat whatever I want to. I'm not going to practice. Well, I have the Spirit of God. I have received the Holy Spirit. So when I go there, somehow the Holy Spirit will somehow make me go with. No. It doesn't happen that way. God sees our faithfulness and our effort. Are we giving our best effort to God even when it was sports? I did. It is important for us to understand when it comes to your soul, it has to be multiplied times 1,000 and 10,000. Your effort for your soul has to be a lot more than what you put for your body. And Apostle Paul says this very beautifully through the Spirit of God. Bodily exercise profited a little. It does profit a little. But it's important. That little is important to take care of the temple of God. Bodily exercise is important. However, godliness is so important because it is a spiritual exercise for this life and the life to come. Your soul is going to live forever. Very important. How much effort you put into guarding your soul and growing your soul will determine how you're going to be used by God now and in the world to come. Understand this. There's a very key thing that the Holy Spirit is speaking at this time. Your service for God doesn't end here. My service for God does not end here. It doesn't end in this life. It's not. Whatever it is, we need to give our best effort. Our lives that we're living here, whatever we're doing for God, it's going to continue into eternity. Our works go with us into, that's the only thing. Whatever we do for God is going to go with us into eternity. And based on how we have lived our lives and how we have served God, God will give us position and power in eternity where we're going to live forever, where we're going to serve God. Wherever God places us, whatever God gives into our hands to serve Him, we're going to be serving God. So whatever you do here, whatever choice you make, it is going to affect your long-term forever state. Life after now. For people who just think about the temporary pleasures and temporary, you know, this and that, are really not going to inherit what God has for them. It is so important when when a lot of girls sat and gossiped and watched television. I didn't care who said what. I used to sit and practice and practice and practice my instrument. I used to pray and do it, worship. Other people say, oh, she's singing, you know, for everybody here. I didn't care. Whatever anybody said did not affect what I was doing because I knew God had called me. I had to be diligent in that. Now I have no time. It's been many years. I have no time to practice or do anything. But you know what is carrying me? The diligence from back then. Whatever I did then as a child, 10 years old, 11 years old, 12 years old, the hours that I put in, into music, into nobody was there to say, did you practice? No. God put that passion in me and I took that and I made use of that. Same thing with singing. God took all of that. But you know, it took diligence. God sees what he has given and God also sees what we do with what God has given to us. And with that understanding, we need to take whatever God has given to us and put to use, knowing that whatever I'm doing for God, I have to give my 100% to God. 
now, now, when I give it now, then it is going to carry me into eternity. Wherever God has me there, my work's here. I'm going to continue to serve God there too, but based on my faithfulness to God right here. Important. Very important. If we just look at everybody and say, well, they're happy. They're happy. Why should I be just doing this? And my fingers are hurting. Why should I be? No. There was a drive, God-given drive, but I went with it. Play and play and play and play until it really hurts and almost bleeds. That's how passionate I was in music. God took all of that. Wherever I had to go later, I didn't have to practice anything. Because God perfected it a long time ago with all the hours that I put in there. God is speaking to your hearts today. Whatever you want God to use you, make sure you're diligent in that. It doesn't just come just like that. There are certain things that will come just like that if you are diligent in what God has given to you. That's where the anointing comes. The music now and the singing now, everything is like 100% anointing of God. But you know what? I did the basic practice I had to do a long time ago, 30 years ago. I had to do. It didn't somehow come up. But then God takes that and he takes it to a whole different level where he gets all the glory. We must do our part. Our will has to be channeled towards what God has for us. When you realize God has called me for this, this is the passion God has put. Go with that passion with everything that is within you. Go with it. You want to make sure that this is what he's called me to do. Your best effort. Your will has to go towards that. So when it comes to reading and praying, when you don't feel like, or when you feel like, well, my body is not, my heart is not, my mind is not, know that, that's the assault of the enemy on your body. What will you do? Even in the natural realm. You feel like you're coming down with a cold. What do you say? Well, let me have a full-blown cold because I have a virus that is attacking me and the virus is bigger than me. Are you going to do that? Are you, are you going to do everything opposite to that to take vitamin C and do whatever you have to do to strengthen the immune system to fight it off? What do you do? When it comes to your soul, how can you be so careless? Many, many believers are so careless. Where they just say, blame everything on the devil. Not do it. Not do anything. We are not wrestling against flesh and blood. It is wrestling, remember. We wrestle with the prince of the darkness, prince of the air. It's not an ordinary fight. Greater is he who is in, the, in us than he that is in the world. But we need to channel our will, our emotions, our force, everything in order to win. Because we are the winners. If you don't fight, you're not going to. Like I said, if you don't practice, you're not going to. Even though I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, even though the Spirit of God was living in me, I had to run. I had to practice every day. God gave me the victory wherever I went. I had to do the part. We need to do our part. Exercise ourselves into godliness. You need to do that. That means self-control. Zip your lips when you are not supposed to. Keep your hands to yourself. Don't text when you're not supposed to. You can cause more damage by speaking and texting hastily because you felt something and you do something. You need to somehow many, many people cannot sit still. That's a disease of the soul in itself. 
lassol, me, 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 me. That me comes like bee stinging minds of the people. Where is your strength? Where is your inner strength? What is your relationship with Jesus Christ like? Is he powerful? Are you knit together with him? Where is your power that comes from him? You should be continuously drawing from him. Because he lives inside of you. God is speaking to your heart at this hour. Slow down, says the Holy Spirit. Slow down. Slow down. Pause. Evaluate yourself. It is important. Every day, evaluate yourself. What did you do in the morning? What did you do in the afternoon? What did you do in the evening? Get a good assessment of yourself before you go to sleep. No matter how tired you are, even if you're lying down, think about what you did during the day. Did you do the will of God? How much did you do? If God calls you in, in your sleep, will you be able to stand before him and give an account of what you did today? Every idle word that you speak, you have to give an account. How is your vocabulary? Think about those things. You might not hear it anywhere else, but God is speaking over here. Take it because it's important. The spirit of God, the spirit of truth is in our midst. The candle of the Lord showing us which way we need to go. That's the way we need to walk in. When you turn to the right, when you turn to the left, you will hear a voice saying, this is the way, walk in it. And that's the voice of the Holy Spirit telling you exactly this is where, this is where, this is where, this is how you need to go. No, God is so good. When the children, you know, need to exercise touch with people, come and show them how they need to, and I'll show them also. You never tell them, well, you need to exercise, go and exercise, and not show them anything, or just tell them with your mouth, well, you need to do this, do this, do this. No, you actually go with them, go on the floor, and you show them how to do push-ups. If you're doing wall push-ups, you stand up and you show them how to do push-ups. If you're doing sit-ups, you show them how to do sit-ups. If you do stretches, you show them how to do stretches. While you show, they do it. Even Samuel too. You do it with them, making sure that they're doing it right. And when you know they got it, now you tell them, make sure you do 10 of this, 15 of this, 20 of this, when you get up, after you read and pray, you do that. How much more God, our Father. He's not just leaving us on our own. He's teaching us. This is the way walking it every time. God is showing us how to walk. Not just, he just didn't give a Bible and just say, well, you read on your own and you make it from how to heaven. No, we have, have this meeting every day to show this is the way walking it every time we come. This is how you do it. Very, very, very crystal clear. Like spoon feeding, dropper feeding God is giving to our church every single time. As we get it and as we get strengthened, you know what you can do? You can do push-ups on your own. You can do sit-ups on your own. Where the parent is able to trust, you know, they can do it on their own. And when you see the benefits, you'll do it on your own. And you know what else you can do? You can teach others how to do push-ups and how to do sit-ups after that. And when you teach, you have joy because you know what it will do to a human body. God is speaking to our hearts today. From learning to becoming teachers, it is a process. But you know what? It never comes without you practicing and continuing to practice. Imagine if I come and teach my children, you know, come really, I want to show you how to do push-ups and come with, you know, a big belly and, and come with, you know, somebody who 
doesn't exercise at all. That's what I mean. You're not doing anything. You're eating all kinds of things. And then you come and say, I'll be your instructor. I'm going to show you how to do push-ups and how to do sit-ups. And well, you know, it'll give you this, 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 this benefits. Will it make sense to anyone? No. Or do you think our children will actually follow that? No. A student has to be a student, a practicing student. And even when you're a teacher, you need to practice what you're teaching. Otherwise, you're not fit to be a teacher. In order to be used of God, it is so important to have self-discipline. It is important to practice what you have to practice in order to perfect that. And continue to practice in order for you to be in good shape. And that's exactly what Apostle Paul says through the Spirit of God. As I teach everyone, I bring my body into subjection. Continue to. Never say that, well, when I was 20 years old, I did that. And now I don't need to do because I'm 50. I don't know. No, 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 no. It doesn't work that way when it comes to your soul. Even when you're 50, you need to keep your body in shape if you want your heart and your entire body to be in shape. God is speaking to our hearts today about your soul. It's not an exercise class here. This is about your soul, exercise for your soul, about godliness inside. May the Spirit of God speak to your heart at this hour. Don't be careless about the state of your soul. Be diligent. Be diligent when it comes to the things of God. This soul will live forever and whatever you do with it now is going to determine the quality of life that soul is going to have forever. You know how careful you should be with your time, with everything that you do? You have to be very careful. The people here, the forefathers here, reap the consequence of what they sowed. As a result of that, the cup was full. They had to drink that wrath of God. Now, Hezekiah, being moved by God, comes there to remove that. So that the blessing of God can come upon him and his people. God is speaking to our hearts today. You can actually turn that which is bad into good. Your parents would have lived a certain way. Your grandparents would have lived a certain way. You know, you could have like divorce, 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 or alcohol, 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 or broken marriage, broken marriage, broken marriage, or no happiness in marriage, no happiness in marriage, no happiness in marriage. But you can actually change it by you walking with God, breaking that curse of the enemy, doing what Hezekiah did. You can have problem after problem, loss after loss after loss after loss after loss because of what they did. But you know what? You don't have to do what they did and continue the curse into your generation. You can be someone who can put a stop to that. You can be someone who can actually turn everything around because of your righteous living before God, because of your walk with God, because of your state of repentance. Completely turn everything around. One person in a household is enough. I've told this many times before. Husband or a wife. Husband or wife. One person. If you take a stand to follow God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, God will use you to turn your whole family to God Almighty. That's how powerful light is. It will dispel darkness. And many times people sit and cry about darkness. Oh, darkness, you know, my whole family is dark and I'm the only one. Well, 
if you're the only one, be happy, be bold, and be thankful to God, and shine that light in your household. Don't feel that. Oh, I'm the only light. One candle is enough to dispel darkness. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. In Hezekiah's time, God used him. In your time, God can use you to dispel darkness, dispel evil, to dispel evil force, because the force of God is bigger than any evil force. I'm going to finish in a few minutes and see how God is going to take us. But let's just go here. Go back to Second Chronicles chapter 29. Now it is in my heart to make a covenant with the Lord God of Israel that his fierce wrath may turn away from us. What did he do? He's making a covenant with God. It's very important. Repentance and then making a covenant with God is very important. You repent from where you came from, for the things that you did, what your forefathers did. Then you have to make a covenant with God. That means what? I'm making a promise that I'm not going to go back. I'm going to go forward. I'm not going to do what I did before. That's what repentance is. I'm not going to do what I did before. I'm going to do what God is telling me to do. Enter into that covenant relationship with God to be faithful to God. Once you do that, then the rest will follow. God will see the integrity of your heart. Stop what you're doing, which is not pleasing to God. Make a covenant in your heart. We saw that yesterday through the Spirit of God, how Job made a covenant with his eyes that he will not look at another woman that is not his own. And he stuck with it. That's character. Don't say, well, I make a promise I'm not able to keep it. I know why I'm not able to keep it. You have to ask yourself why you're not able to keep it. Ask yourself why you're not able to keep it. Why? Because it's not important to you. Bottom line, that's what it is. If it is important to you, you will do it. Whatever matters to you, the most you do it all the time. Don't you? If it is important to you, you will do it. Job was able to do it. You should be able to do it. God is speaking to us today. Is your soul worth it? Do you really honor God with everything that is within you? Is the word of God important in your life? Or are you being a person full of excuses? You answer that question. Let the spirit of God speak to your hearts at this hour. Are you someone who makes a covenant with God and sticks with it? Because God is a God full of covenants. He makes his promise and he keeps his promise as long as we keep our side of the contract. He is always true. He always keeps his side of the contract provided I keep my covenant with God. So when you look at it, it's our side is what we really need to be careful and we really need to be keen on because his side, he will do it if I keep mine. What a glorious relationship that is. What a power-filled relationship that is when you have power with God. Partnering with God is the best thing you can do on the face of this earth if you want to make a difference. Not just live like another object on earth filling some space for some time. I don't want to be that way. Anything good will be costly. Anything good will be costly. If you want to really live a life that is worth living, then pay for it. Work hard at it. Be faithful to God. Be faithful in your walk with God. Don't be lazy. Spiritually slothful. 
Don't be negligent, spiritually negligent. Go after God with everything that is within you. How many years do you think you've left? Those of you who are young, you think maybe 30, 40? We don't know. Many people are gone within five years, some within two, some within two months. We don't know. But with every breath that is remaining, you need to make a covenant with God today that I will use it for God and God alone. That this body is for God, sold out to Jesus Christ. That's it. No compromise. If you can live that way, then you're living a life that is worth living. Otherwise, it's merely existing. It's just a waste of time, a delusion, living in illusion. Only to find the emptiness at the end. May God help us to wise up, to see where we are, and to prepare ourselves for eternity by living the life that he has called us to live right now. It's a glorious, triumphant life, by the way. Yes. The enemy will try to come every level, like I said. If you belong to a team that is strong, and if you are a strong key player in the kingdom of God, yeah, you will have opponents. But you know what? You don't have to fear. The enemy has to fear you. Our church should be like that. A strong team. A strong team that will always win. If Christ is our captain, we are bound to win. But you know what? We need to play our part. You look at a game, every person has to play a part, including him from the captain. You can say, well, you know, he's the captain and, and uh, he has the title and I don't have to play. And you cannot be in the field. A team has to play together. Everyone's eyes should be on each other. Oh, he is there. He is passing the ball. And where's the enemy? I can't let the enemy take it. You have to be together. And that's the team that will win. And that's how every team wins. When you're unified and make sure that you are there to pick up what someone left. If someone misses the ball, someone else needs to be there to catch that. That's how a church should be. Unified in spirit before God. God is the captain who is going before. But everyone should practice yourself into God and say, Lord, I need to be a key player here. You can't say, well, someone has to be the key player. Let the pastor be. Everyone should be practicing, exercising themselves unto godliness and be faithful and become key players in the kingdom of heaven. And Satan will tremble when he sees this church. That's how it should be. We should be a force that is shaking the powers of darkness through the power of the Almighty God. We have everything. When we have God, we have everything. We need to shape up and be there so that God can do what he can do. God is speaking to hearts today. Understand this. The enemy is there. I want to just take you to one more section that the Lord wants me to just turn the Bible to the book of Esther. Esther chapter 3. And I'm going to read from verse 1. After these things, King Ahasuerus promoted Haman, the son of Hamidatha, the Agagite, and advanced him and set his seat above all the princes who were with him. And all the king's servants who were within the king's gate bowed and paid homage to Haman, for so the king had commanded concerning him. But Mordecai would not bow or pay homage. Then the king's servants who were within the king's gate said to Mordecai, Why do you transgress the king's command? Now it happened when they spoke to him daily, and he would not listen to them, that they told it to Haman to see whether Mordecai's words would stand. For Mordecai had told them that he was a Jew. When Haman saw that Mordecai did not bow or pay him homage, Haman was filled with wrath. 
But he disdained to lay hands on Mordecai alone, for they had told him of the people of Mordecai. Instead, Haman sought to destroy all the Jews who were throughout the whole kingdom of Ahasuerus, the people of Mordecai. In the first month, which is the month of Nisan, in the twelfth year of King Ahasuerus, they cast pure, that is, the lot before Haman to determine the day and the month until it fell on the twelfth month, which is the month of Adar. Then Haman said to King Ahasuerus, There is a certain people scattered and dispersed among the people in all the provinces of your kingdom. Their laws are different from all other peoples, and they do not keep the king's laws. Therefore, it is not fitting for the king to let them remain. If it pleases the king, let a decree be written that they be destroyed, and I will pay 10,000 talents of silver into the hands of those who do the work to bring it into the king's treasuries. So the king took a signet ring from his hand and gave it to Haman, the son of Hamidatha, the Agagite, the enemy of the Jews. And the king said to Haman, The money and the people are given to you, to do with them as seems good to you. Then the king's scribes were called on the thirteenth day of the first month, and a decree was written according to all that Haman commanded to the king's satraps, to the governors, who were over each province, to the officials of all people, to every province according to its script, and to every people in their language. In the name of King Ahasuerus it was written and sealed with the king's signet ring. And the letters were sent by couriers into all the king's provinces to destroy, to kill, and to annihilate all the Jews, both young and old, little children and women, in one day, on the thirteenth day of the twelfth month, which is the month of Eder, and to plunder their possessions. A copy of the document was to be issued as law in every province being published for all people that they should be ready for that day. The Koreas went out, hastened by the king's command, and the decree was proclaimed in Shushan, the citadel, to the king, and Haman sat down to drink, but the city of Shushan was perplexed. There's a reason why the Spirit of the Lord had me read this entire chapter. It is important to read. If you look at chapter 3 of Esther, you see the forces of darkness that were at work, Against the people of God. You see how Satan and his kingdom operates. Haman stands for the devil. He's working, moving the king over there to go against the people of God to completely wipe out the Jewish people from his territory. Now, when this happened, we see how the enemy operated here. He moved to the key person there who had power and authority physically in the physical realm to go against the people of God to destroy them once and for all. When we work for God in this world, doing the work of God, this is how the enemy operates too. He will go into people, he will go into key people, move them against the people of God. And his whole goal is to destroy them. Wherever you are, whether you are in your workplace, whether in your family, Satan will say, 
oh, I have found one person who will cooperate with me. I'm going to talk to them. I'm going to put in their minds, this is what we need to do, and I'm going to team up with them, and I'm going to go against the people of God. So when you see someone rising up against you, when you see someone doing something against you, you have to understand, oh, this is someone who has partnered with Lucifer who is working against you. And immediately you need to know, oh, I'm not wrestling with flesh and blood. So your whole battle plan and your strategy should be spiritual according to the work of God and the word of God that God has given. Instead of taking things into your own hands, matters into your own hands, it is important to do what Esther did here. We're not going to go into this today. However, the Spirit of the Lord will take us through, as the Lord is telling me now, He will take us through Hezekiah's life and Esther's life simultaneously in the next few days, during the next few days. We must understand, when we see how the enemy operates, we cannot sit still. When Satan operates, he's strategically operating. You know, in any team, I don't know why the Spirit of the Lord is bringing sports today and team effort. We have to use what illustration God is giving and see the point that God is driving home tonight. Any team that is going to go and any team that wants to win, they will strategize. They will strategize, they will plan how, who was going to stand where, how they're going to play. And if something happens, how are you going to do? Same thing goes for war. You have a battle plan, you have a game plan, you have a strategy. Satan operates like that. He has a plan. Satan never randomly goes and attacks anyone. God has shown me that, I've seen that in the spirit. How Satan sits, he actually talks with all the evil spirits and he commands them to go, assigns each person to each individual, several to one individual. How can the people of God be so careless? Very careless. He goes and he does things while they're sleeping, Jesus said. We have to be alert all the time. Be alert, be awake for your adversary. The enemy is going around like a hungry lion looking to see whom he may devour. Your soul is your costliest possession, remember. That's who you are. You cannot compromise on that. You cannot forfeit that you cannot be casual when it comes to guarding your soul I'm going to finish in a few minutes when the enemy saw that God's servant Mordecai would not bow down to his threats would not bow down to his appearance what did he do did he say that well I'm so scared I'm so intimidated I'm not going to see Mordecai anymore no he became furious and what did he do he became murderous. He wanted to kill Mordecai. He, not only Mordecai, his entire people. That was Haman's plan. Right? Did he succeed? Read the rest of the book of Esther, you'll know. No one who stood against God ever succeeded and ever lived on the face of the earth, period. However, they've been given room to put up a fight. When you know you're on the winning side, you can't just sit and not do anything about it. You must fight. If you don't fight, you can die. 
David fell into sin and David had dire consequences. You know why? Because when he had to go to war, he did not go to war. He was, he stopped fighting the spiritual battles within his soul long time ago. So when it came to the physical battle, it was the same approach he took. Very casual. Don't be casual when it comes to things pertaining to your soul. Don't be casual when it comes to the safety of your family. When it comes to the safety of your children, protect your kids. Protect your family from the attacks of the enemy. Never say that, well, they can make their own choices. When you know a lot of kids are not alive to make the choice after that. And they're in hell right now. Many believers' children. Be responsible. As long as your kids are under your roof, they are your responsibility. Guard them with all diligence. Because... God has entrusted them into your hands. Be responsible for your own soul. Be responsible for your kids. Be responsible for your family. That's your first responsibility. May God speak to your heart today. The enemy came. He was furious because Mordecai didn't bow down. As a result, he came after his entire family. Entire Jewish family. That's what the enemy will do. When you are trying to do the right thing, you want to walk with God, he'll try to attack your whole family. What are you going to do then? You're going to get scared? You're going to get sidetracked? If Mordecai would have just gotten intimidated by, oh no, now we're all doomed and we're all lost and let's see how we can just run away from this country. Let's see if we can go somewhere else and somehow escape death. They would have all been killed. He did not take matters into his own hands. He took it to God Almighty and got God's counsel and acted upon that. And that's where the victory came from. Deal spiritual battles in a spiritual manner according to the spiritual tools God has given, using the spiritual strategies that God has given to you by receiving the the counsel that comes from the Spirit of God by going to God every day. Every day. As we close our eyes and look to the Lord. The Spirit of God who is in our midst, who is speaking to our hearts, is very keen on growing you and maturing you to the image of Jesus Christ. He's here to take away all the weeds and all the unkept part of your yard. He says, My son, my daughter, these are the things I've pointed out to you today. You need to go take your shovel. You need to go take your rake. You need to go take your tools. And you need to go tend your garden. It is your garden. When God created Adam and gave him the beautiful garden called Eden, he gave him a job to do. God didn't create the garden and then tell Adam to be there and not do anything. He gave him a job to do, which was to tend the garden. God has given salvation as a gift for you. Jesus shed his blood on the cross of Calvary for you. It is your job to tend your garden after that. Don't be idle. Don't be casual. Many casual Christians are in the grave. Their souls in hell. The enemy is not casual about your soul. The enemy is not casual about the time that he has on earth. How can you be casual about your time on earth? How can you be casual about your soul? How can you be casual about the things of God? 
Thank you, Holy Spirit. Oh, let a mighty army arise, oh God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Touch your people. Touch your people. Touch your people. Touch your people. Wherever they are, touch your people. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Raise up a mighty army, Lord. Raise up a mighty army, Lord. Raise up a mighty army, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. This church may become a mighty force, O Lord, in this generation. A threat to the kingdom of darkness in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Oh, Father, let a mighty army arise in the name of Jesus. Scattering the forces of darkness in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Doing great things. God has for them to do. It's one voice, it's one army. Let this church arise, O Lord, in this generation. With holiness. Perfecting the fear of God. With love that comes from Jesus Christ. Compassion that comes from Jesus Christ. The power that comes from the Holy Spirit representing God the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit, the kingdom of God accurately. To do what Jesus did, to speak what Jesus spoke. In these last days, I pray, raise a mighty army. What you have spoken, O Lord, this night, may it continue to ring in the hearts of your people. Let there be repentance, renewing of the spirits of the people of God, renewed commitment with great diligence for our time on earth is brief. Satan knows his time is very short also. So he is very diligent and he is very busy. Help us, Lord, to be alert. Know that our time on earth is brief also. To be more diligent. To care for our souls. To tend our garden, our own souls and our families to have given. Oh, Father, do your work in the lives of your people. And I thank you, Lord, for this time. Thank you for what you've done. Just take a few moments in the presence of God. Just commit yourself to the word that God has spoken to you this night. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, precious Lord. Thank you. Thank you. We thank you. Thank you, Lord. Bless your people. With the strength of the Almighty God, strengthen them. May the breath of the living God all go over every area of their lives, O Lord, and pray. Drive your people, drive your people, drive your people, Father, to their knees this night. I pray. The zeal of the Lord consume them. May the love of the Lord cover them. May the strength of the Lord gird them in the name of Jesus so that they may rise up, O Father, in the name of Jesus, to run the race that you have called them to run in the name of Jesus. 
every lameness in the feet in the name of Jesus. I curse it in Jesus' name, in the name of Jesus, every spiritual disease, every spiritual disorder, in the name of Jesus, I come against it right now in Jesus' name, and I curse it right now in Jesus' name, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Every spiritual poverty, I curse you in Jesus' name, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Flourish your people, Lord. Let this soul flourish. Let this soul flourish. Let this soul flourish in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Thank you, Father. Oh, embolden them. Energize them this night in the name of Jesus. Infuse your power and your strength into them, Father. Let them rise up, Lord. Let them rise up, Lord. Let them rise up, Lord. Every spirit of discouragement, I curse you in Jesus' name. Take victory in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Help your people, Lord, in the name of Jesus, to run, to run, to run without looking back, to go forward, hallelujah, not look back, in the name of Jesus. Lot's wife looked back, and it was over for her. The children of Israel constantly looked back. They never entered into the promised land. Don't look back. Do not look back. Don't look at the place where you left. Don't look at where you came from. Do not look back. If you look back, you will not enter into the promised land. You will become a sad story. A bad example. Like Lot's wife did. And the children of Israel who fell away in the desert. Don't look back. We are those people that don't look back. Hallelujah. We're not of those who look back, God's word says. So don't look back. Thank you, Father. Looking unto Jesus, look forward. Hallelujah. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. Look forward. Keep looking forward. That's where your eyes should be fixed on Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. The author and the finisher of your faith. Thank you, Holy Spirit. He who began a good work in you. He will bring it to completion as long as you don't look back. Keep looking at him. Keep looking at the cross. Thank you, Father. So bless your people, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the good word that you gave us this night. I pray. May the Spirit of the Lord God Almighty continue to strengthen your people. Lead them from strength to strength, faith to faith. All from one state of holiness into a deeper level of holiness. One level of consecration to a deeper level of consecration until we see you, Jesus, face to face. For this I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. May the Lord bless us and keep us. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon us and be gracious to us. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon us and bless us with his peace. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ May the love of God the Father and the sweet fellowship of his Holy Spirit rest and remain with us all now and until we see Jesus face to face. Amen.